11 out of 13 and 3 out of 4. If you were taking a test, they'd be pretty good scores. But not when you find out that this is the number of children and husbands that one woman supposedly poisoned for best financial gain and at worst simply because they were inconvenient. Dubbed the Dark Angel, if she truly did kill all of these people, she sealed her place in British history as one of the UK's most prolific female serial killers. Join us as we look the life of the cold and cruel Mary Ann Cotton. Welcome fellow weirdos to another episode of Horror House, episode 38 I believe. Please, please take this as a very gentle reminder that you are all extremely beautiful people and just doing the best you can in a world that is constantly trying to screw us over. It's lovely to have you here. Um, I'm Amy. And I'm Dom. And this week we are talking about a really cruel woman who was actually recommended to me as a subject by my dad. Thank you dad if you're listening. Um, Hopefully you will be. Probably not, but you know, I'm give it a go. What a recommendation. I know, right? Dom, <laughs> how the devil are you? And what, if anything, do you know about Mary Ann Cotton? I do not know anything about Mary Ann Cotton. Um, not, not a thing. So I am very excited to hear about this she-devil of a woman by the sounds of things. Um, mm-hmm. But I am, I am good. I'm good. Um, I have got my cup of tea. So I'm I'm a happy boy, but I'm very excited to to hear about Miss Cotton's escapades and murderous intents, intents intentions. You know what I mean. All of the above. <laughs> I'm, I'm just impressed that I know about a serial killer that you don't. Never heard of this one. It's when I'm assuming that this is quite a long time ago. This seems like an it's early 1900s not... sort of murder. Or am I? No, no, a little bit before that. My dad basically described this person's crimes to me, and then I had to work out who he was talking about from the description of the crime. So, yeah, once I, I okay. remembered the name, I was like, okay, this could be a good, a good episode because she was a nasty piece of work. So, I'm pretty excited to um to delve into this one. But before I do that, um, Dom, do you want to tell? the good good people listening about the various ways that they can support the podcast yes my pleasure so one of those one of those very very lovely ways is the horror house patreon account um so if the prospect of early access to episodes if the prospect of you know one bonus episode a month a little bit of bonus content a little bit of a little bit more of me and amy regaling you with some just horrifying stuff and if you want ad free episodes as well then come on down get your get your booty shake it on down to the horror house patreon account and join us for <laughs> do a little dance as well you know <laughs> grab your you booty twerk, twerk i don't know where i'm going with this um <laughs> yes for for four pounds a month you can get more horror house you can get early access to episodes before they head up onto the main feed you can get ad-free episodes as well, and you can get a few other little extras. Um, also, if you don't want to pay per month, you can just do a one-off payment 
for 12 months. That's like £48, what? £48 down, Quick one maths. payment, and that's 12 months. Quick maths. But yes, that is the Horror House Patreon. Come on down. Come and join. Um, we would love to have you. Big shout out to the continued uh, patronage of Laura, who is a member of the Horror House Patreon. Thank you for your continued support. It is much appreciated. You beautiful, beautiful person. Also, not only do we have the Patreon account, but we also have another way. Amy, would you please regale us? I would love to. Um, we also have our Buy Me A Coffee link, which I have gone round about every single which way in terms of describing. But basically, it's a nice little way to give us a bit, give <laughs> us a little bit of support, a little bit of caffeine, believe me, is highly needed at the moment. If you don't want to do that, if you're a little bit short on caffeine, but you still want to support us, please do reach out, speak to us via Instagram, speak to us however you like, really, on Twitter. Not that either of us particularly look at Twitter at the moment. Or just leave us a nice review. That Twitter that account. <laughs> It, it's dead it's dead I mean I'll, we'll start looking at it we'll start looking <laughs> yeah, at it true. if that people start cool. messaging we'll probably start looking at it um, uh... so <laughs> leave us a nice review it's absolutely free and it, it really helps us out so thank you yes <laughs> correct yes Amy <laughs> correct yes. next week we're going to swap and <laughs> well you're going to talk about the buy me a coffee link and I'm going to talk about the Patreon because I've run out of ways to say dear god please buy us a coffee <laughs> okay Okay, uh, that's fine. I shall. Oh wow, that's pressure, though. Oh my god, that's that's your baby. Oh my lord. I do, okay. I do love the buy me a coffee link. It is, it is a great one, but you know, there's a really, it's very simple. So there's really only so many ways you can describe it. That is true. Um, Click the link, give us true. some money. We'll buy coffee with it. Even happy days. Happy days. So, without any further ado, shall we talk about Mary? Because there is something about her. That oh. What? That was good. That was good. Come on. That was a good start. Oh, Don't God. start, you know, knocking I mean, my confidence before we've even started. I mean, I love a dad joke, so that, that I appreciated that. I did. I did. Okay. Well, well, luckily, my dad recommended this person, so it's only appropriate that I start with a dad joke. <laughs> uh, right. I'm going to start talking about her because she's interesting, so let's go. Um, Mary Ann Robson, as she was known when she was born. Um, was born on Halloween in 1832 in County Durham to Margaret Lonsdale and Michael Robson, who was a, oh, it's so early on in the episode and there's a word that I can't pronounce. It, yes. Coilery? Coilery? <laughs> Coilery Sinker is what he was. Basically, How's he it? was a minor. It's just a, a different okay. way of saying minor. So I'm just going to say minor because that's what he was. Um, just, I should have just said minor. Just minor. Shouldn't have made a tit of myself. Should have just said minor. <laughs> right, let's do it again. Michael Robson, a minor, as in like he worked in the mines, not as in he was a child. Um, I'm making it worse. Not underage. <laughs> I'm making yeah. it so much worse. Um, anyway, a dad was a minor. That's all you need to know. Don't worry about anything else. Um, I don't know what a mum did. Doesn't matter. Don't care Amy, about parents. A Amy, we're we're ten minutes in, and this is already into it's the recording, and this is. You've already, we've already talked about tips. We've already talked about minors. This is, this is not good. It's not going well. <laughs> it's not going well. And considering well. that this is quite a bad case, um, I've not started it in a great way. Basically, she was born. Shockingly enough, this person she that we're going to be talking born. about was born. That's what we need to know here. 
She was baptised at St Mary's Church on the 11th of November and her sister Margaret was born in 1834 but only lived for a few months. And then she had a brother, Robert, who was born in 1835. Um, when she was eight, her parents moved her to Merton in County Durham and she was a regular attendee of Sunday school and an exemplary student. She was very, very intelligent, um, which seems to be a bit of a thing with the female serial killers that I happened to pick for the episode that mm. I lead on. Um because Lizzie Borden also went to Sunday school and was a, a good kid, but then look what she did. So apparently that's just, you know, a thing that I look for in my female serial killers. Um, yeah, very good well, student, very well, good at school. I, to be fair, like, the so I haven't done a lot of female serial killers. Obviously, I did Mary, I've done Mary Bell. I mean, well, serial, she, that was two. Like, she killed two people. So I don't know if you I mean, I don't know serial, how many it has to be but I've done a serial killer. I, think I mean, I heard, like, six, apparently. That seems a lot. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Um, that's like this, the, the entry requirement. It's like on a job description. Have for you a killed killer. six people? Have you, you killed six people? <laughs> this is not an entry level position, I'm afraid. We're <laughs> looking for graduates. We'll give you Where's an unpaid internship <laughs> here um, at Serial Killersing. Serial Killersing. We kill because we care. Um, <laughs> so... I got the reference. Yes. <laughs> two episodes in a row <laughs> just stick to disney or film references and we're fine yeah um but yeah like i i've noticed that with it seems to be a pattern with sort of female serial killers or female you know killers that they they're quite exemplary exemplary ex, ex, i can't say the word ah oh, now i've got them fucked up they're quite good at school um <laughs> I obviously yes. wasn't good at school because I, I, I can't say big words. <laughs> but yeah, they were they were pretty pretty good. Um and like they were model students and they did a lot of sort of good for the community. Mm. And yeah, and then they just sort of you've got the other side where they just kill people for I don't know why. Yeah. It's always a bit of a thing. I think it's uh we all love a, a good girl gone bad story and that Lizzie Borden was definitely one and, and yeah. Mary Mary Ann Robson as she is at the moment, um, is is definitely one as well. Um, so soon after the move to Merton, uh, Mary Ann's father fell 150 feet down a mine shaft um, to his death in February 1842. Oh, as their accommodation was provided by the mining company, um, Mary Ann's mother and, and her dad's widow um, would have been along with the children, so they were left homeless. Um, Mary Ann's mother quickly remarried um, and at 16, Marion left the home to become a nurse in an, in the nearby village of South Hetton, um, in the home of Edward Potter, who was the manager of the uh, the mining company. But then after all of his children had been sent to boarding school, he had no need for a nurse anymore. And she returned to her stepfather's home and trained as a dressmaker. But Mary isn't particularly known for her career. Um, she's definitely not for being a nurse. Or for being a dressmaker, she is known for her severe bad luck. Or at least it appeared to be bad luck. Um, that bad luck began with her very first husband. In 1852, 20-year-old Marianne married labourer William Mowbray um, in Newcastle and Time Registry Office. And they soon moved to South West England. Um, now, there are reports that in the early days of their marriage, um, they had between four five children all of whom died very young um at the time none of these deaths were registered because none of the births were registered 
even though registration was compulsory, the law surrounding it didn't start being enforced until 1874. So in theory, they had between four or five children um, at the start of their marriage and all of whom died very, very young. Um, very few made it out of in infancy. In fact, none of them made it out of infancy. The only birth that was recorded was that of their daughter, Margaret Jane, who was born in St. Germain in 1856. So pretty early on in their very first marriage, quite a lot of bad luck and misfortune and yeah. and grief for the poor Maryam. William and Maryam moved back to northeast England, where William worked as a fireman aboard a steam vessel sailing out of Sunderland. And another daughter, Isabella, was born in 1858. Unfortunately, very, very soon after that, Margaret Jane, the first daughter, or the first registered daughter, should we say, um, passed away in 1860. They also went on from that point to have another daughter, just to make it confusing, called Margaret Jane, again, um, who was born in 1861, and a son, Robert William, who was born in 1863. But he died the following year um, from gastric fever. Now, gastric fever, Dom, Remember that term because it is going to come up a lot. Gastric. Gastric fever. Okay. Gastric fever, okay. gastrointestinal it's, problems, it's intestinal in the problems, bank. stomach problems. It's going to be a running theme throughout what we're talking about today. Okay. In fact, it's coming up right now. Right now. William, her husband, died of intestinal disorder in January 1865. Um, the lives of William and their children were insured at the time by the British and Prudential Insurance office and Mary Ann collected a payout of £35 on William's death. Um, it's about the equivalent of £3,500 um, in 2022, but it was about half a year's wages for a manual labour at the time, so fair bit of money. And the insurance on John Robert, the son, um, was collected at £2.05, so a nice, pretty tidy sum um, for the death of her husband and son. Yeah, I always, I always like forget as well the effect that inflation has like because obviously 35 pounds now is i mean what are you, that's a if you're anything like me that is a fat mackies and yes i have spent nearly 30 pounds on myself at mcdonald's before I'm <laughs> hey, there's 20 bucks of nugs man they're not going <laughs> like, for themselves right that 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 has happened um so that's like you know that's a that's a meal out at a restaurant you know but it's wild that like there was a time where thirty five pounds was half a year's wages. Half a year's wages, yeah, it's insane. But it's it's a lot of money, you know, for him to have been insured for that much, and for her to collect that after he died, after what was only like just over two years of marriage. It's um, it's pretty insane. Mm, something okay. suspicious, indeed. Lots of gastrointestinal <laughs> problems, and I don't think it's just because Mary was a bad cook. Yeah. So soon after Mowbray's death, Mary Ann moved to Seam Harbour, um, again in County Durham, where she struck up a relationship with a man named Joseph Latras, um, who was actually married at the time. So she couldn't she couldn't get together with him properly, but she had a bit of an affair with him. Not oh. um, during this time, her three and a half year old daughter, so the second Margaret Jane, first one died. We're on to the second one. Now the second one died okay, of right. typhus fever and gastrointestinal problems. There we are again, gastrointestinal problem. Um, leaving her with Mary. one one child <laughs> of the nine, or up to nine, depending on the registering, that she'd born. So she had one left out of nine from the, that time. That's insane. She returned to Sunderland and took up employment at the Sunderland Infirmary, 
where she met the lovely George Ward, who was a patient there. She looked after him perhaps a little bit too well because on the 28th of August, 1865, um, they got married. Um, at that point, she sent her only surviving child, Isabella, to go and live with her mother um, just to kind of get her out of the way because she didn't want to bring her daughter into the home of a very ill man, basically. Oh, yeah. they After the marriage, he... Oh, of course they did. Of course they did. I mean, and before <laughs> marriage as well, you know, naughty girl. Right. But she, <laughs> she, get married, so she gave bad. him the hand twister 3000 and he was like, God damn. <laughs> I need to get this woman. It's, I've got like a carry-on doctor type scenario in my head in the hospital where she's just like, come on, George, I know you're poorly, but it's not that bad. Come on, we can pop out to the church, have a quick marriage. <laughs> she got her claws in pretty uh, quick, considering he was a very sick man. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, she was like, come on, let's, let's tie the knot. What's the worst that could happen? Well, I'll tell you what the worst that could happen is. You could die, which you did. Um, on the 20th of October, 1866, so just over a year into the marriage. Um, he did continue to be ill throughout that whole time, but his long illness was characterised by paralysis. And guess what else, Dom? Guess what else his illness involved? Would it be intestinal issues, by chance? It was indeed. In fact, that's exactly what I have written oh. down. It was paralysis <laughs> and intestinal issues. Shockingly enough. Um, that's what he right. passed away with, and that was what was on his <laughs> death certificate. Shocker, right? The attending doctor <laughs> later gave evidence that Ward had been very ill, but his he had been surprised that his death was so sudden. He'd been suffering for a long time, but his condition was stable. So the fact that he died um, quite suddenly was was pretty shocking. And once again, Marianne collected the insurance money in respect of her husband's death. It's not been recorded how much he was insured for. Pretty safe to say that she was rolling in it at this point. See, this is what happens, people. When you go and you go and you know you go and do the the business, you know you go and you go and have a little bit of a little bit of a tug on a married man. Jesus, Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. I mean, I don't think Jesus had anything to do with it. To be Jesus honest, Jesus was uh, like probably the the first question she asked was probably, "Are you insured?" Yeah, probably. It's true. You're not. Ah, oh, sorry. I only put. <laughs> oh, I only do then. this for insured people. I only put my lips around exactly. insured penises. Oh, oh, dog. Too far. <laughs> Too far. I, 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 am, I am pushing for this collab with my dad wrote a porno. I will say at least one sexual joke every episode until this happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was my area of expertise was the sexual innuendo, but apparently you're taking over the mantle. So that's fine. Problem. Um, I, I mean, again, the guy died of gastrointestinal issues, which I'm guessing aren't particularly but you know it's fine. I mean, no. <laughs> we move. It's, it's not. not it doesn't really like rev up anyone's engine, does it? <laughs> no. I, I mean, it's shit and vomit aren't the first things that I think of when I think about a bloke. Actually, no, wait, no, they're not. Um, it's it's not good. Oh no. <laughs> oh dear. Should we move on? Um, we're we're not too far into young Mary's life, and we're already two husbands but more importantly, to insurance policies in. But Mary didn't want to stay single for long, bless her. Um, so quickly after that, she met James Robinson. Uh, James Robinson was a shipwright at Pallion, I think that's how you pronounce it, in Sunderland, um, whose wife Hannah had recently died. 
He hired Marianne as a housekeeper in November 1866. Bearing in mind, she'd just um, lost her husband, George, in October 1866. And in November 1866, she was being hired by James Robertson as a housekeeper. Um, One month later, when James's baby son died of gastric fever, dun, 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 he turned to his housekeeper for comfort. Exactly, exactly. Um, Which left him, you know, very distraught, very sad. Who was there to mop up his tears but his housekeeper, Mary Ann? And she must have been really good at consoling him because shortly after she consoled him, she became pregnant with his baby. I mean, <laughs> God damn. She's, she's definitely got God her own damn. brand of therapy, has Mary. Oh, you're feeling a bit down right. here, put a baby in me. Mary. It's pretty Mary, extreme. You chill, man. Jesus Christ. Just keep the your next baby's just going to slide out at this point. It's going to walk out on its own. Twirling its umbilical cord and everything. <laughs> and it's like a conga line coming out of her. <laughs> so anyway, she's pregnant with the newly employed, with her new employer, sorry. While she was pregnant, her mother, um, who was living back in Seam Harbour where she'd lived previously, became ill with hepatitis. So Mary immediately went back to look after her which put a bit of a dampener on the relationship with James Robertson, which I don't think she would have been too happy about considering it was very new and she'd only just gotten pregnant. Mm. But she went back nonetheless. She was a somewhat dutiful daughter to look after her. And although her mother did begin to recover from the symptoms of um, hepatitis, she also began to complain of stomach pains, weirdly. Oh. And shortly after that, (laughs) she died um, at the age of 54 in the spring of 1867. She died just nine days after Mary Ann's arrival back at her mum's house. That is totally not suspicious. No, no suspicion. Nothing to see. That is totally normal. All I'm picturing is this is the scene from Naked Gun where he's just standing outside the fucking fireworks shop where it's just all exploding. He's just like, nothing to see here. Please disperse. So, you know, I mean... As it goes at the moment, you're probably thinking, yeah, Marianne is unlucky. You know, she's lost all these kids. She lost two husbands. Now she's lost her mum. The poor girl. Poor girl. And you'd be, I'd be inclined to agree if I didn't know what I know about her. But this through Marianne's mother's death, through another spanner in the works, because her mum had been looking after Isabella, who was the daughter from her first marriage. And at that point, she had to do something with Isabella, so she was brought back to the Robertson household. I can only imagine that James Robertson wasn't too pleased about this. Obviously, he suddenly gained another mouth to feed in the house, as well as his own two kids, plus Marianne, plus whoever else is knocking about. But he needn't have worried, because shortly after Isabella came back, um, she developed severe stomach pains and gastrointestinal problems um, and passed away, as did... Two of Robinson's children, Elizabeth and James. Three kids, very quickly, stomach pain, death. All three of the children were buried in the same two weeks because they died so close together um, during the first week of May in 1867. And Marianne once again received a life insurance payment of £5.10 shillings for her daughter. What say you to that, Dom? Is there no suspicion at this point? Because... I've tried to keep count of how many people have died through intestinal issues or gastrointestinal issues or something that is to do with their insides. And 
I don't know how many at this point because I've kind of lost count now, but it's been a lot. So is, has there it's not been, been any lot. suspicion from anybody at this point? <laughs> Even if like, is the coroner not just being like, it's another intestinal issue? This is Well, this I is, mean, potentially. You know, this is the 10th but one no now. Maybe. She's moving around a bit. Um, you know, they're very different families, probably different doctors. I don't think anyone's really connecting the dots. And, you know, infancy, uh, infant mortality rates were pretty high. So maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe they weren't drawing any conclusions. And obviously, it's not like the whole insurance policy thing was broadcast around. You know, she obviously kept it relatively secret. She went to collect the money, sure, but. You know, who yeah. would have thought that her, her infant daughter would have been insured anyway? So, you know, it's... That is true. There are, there's well, potential for things to be overlooked. Margaret, I'm not angry. It was Margaret, wasn't it? It's Mary. Mary? Oh, bloody hell. So I, I've, Mary, I've been Mary's who we're counting. talking about. I know. There's so many names. And right, it okay. doesn't help I've, that she named two I've, of her daughters. There's Margaret so well. many names. Good old James, bless him. He's just lost two of his children. He's obviously distraught. And clearly he wasn't in his right mind because despite the recent deaths of his own children as well as one of Mary Ann's children, he still married her at St. Michael's Church in Bishop Wernmel, which I probably have pronounced wrong, so apologies if that's the case, on the 11th of August, 1867. So considering she married her first husband in 1860 and it's now 1867 and we're on the 3rd, she's doing all right. She's clearly, yeah, you know, she must have, she's either really, really I mean, pretty, and I've seen pictures of her, and trust me, she ain't, or she's just got away with words, or away with something. Or, this could be a bit crass, or she's got, like, the best coochie in the fucking world. Her coochie is, is fucking phenomenal. Well, That's, it's certainly well, productive. Like she's, she must have a vice grip like nobody else's business. Yeah, maybe. There's also some <laughs> maths. That she I, needs explaining because you know you don't have that many kids yeah. and still have a coochie that's getting that many. That is true because what? How many kids has she got now? Or I how mean, many kids are we up to at this point? At this point, she's just about to have her tenth. So she's just gotten pregnant with James Robinson's but, baby. They've got married uh, after she got pregnant. So this will be number ten. I, I I tried to keep count and I lost count, so I didn't actually realize we were at ten. Holy hell! We're at ten. Um, yeah. I mean, so, I it's mean, easy I, to get to 10 because the I agree, first I four or five weren't registered. But yeah, so... No, that's true. Baby that's that she's true. pregnant with as she marries James Robinson is baby number 10. So to your point about her coochie can't be that good because she has just pushed out... She's pushed out 10 kids at this point. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't have a really good coochie. So I don't know. How is she getting all these men? I don't know. But I'm going to steer us back because we appear to have gone on a vaginal tangent. And I'm not sure how I feel. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been far more sexual than I think I ever have been on this show, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 gone somewhere I wasn't expecting it to. So I'm just going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it on back. Um, so she she's she'd married James um, Robinson, and she was pregnant with their first child. She married him in August of 1867, and in November of the same year, she gave birth to Margaret Isabella, another Margaret. Apologies. Who very, very quickly became, became ill um, and died in February 1868. What? This is funny, Dom. Children are dying. I can't. No, I, just, I just can't keep track of all these Margarets and Marys and 
would it, would it mean, help if like I put the number of the child? I'll put the number of the child as I say the name. So <laughs> Ma- Margaret Isabella, child oh, number 10, child number 10, was born okay. <laughs> in November, but she became ill and died in February. And then child number 11, also known as George, was born on the 18th of June, 1869. So child number 11's come along. He's, he's okay for the moment. We good? We're back on track. We're on child number 11. Jeez. Child number 11. I also just want to put it out there. I'm not laughing at chi- children dying. Don't get me wrong. I laugh at children falling over a lot, but I don't, I'm not going to laugh at them dying. Nobody's like, laughing I at laugh children at, like, dying. It's so bad. We're it's merely it. laughing at Dom's inability We're to We're not laughing at children dying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't work with numbers because I'd be fucked. But you will be pleased <laughs> to know that there are some sensible people in the world who began to question these circumstances. Robinson had become suspicious of his wife's insistence that he ensure his life. Um, and he also discovered that she'd run up behind his back of around £60, which bear in mind that £35 was half a year's wage. £60 is a lot of money. Um, and she'd also stolen mm. more than £50 that she'd been expected to take to the bank and didn't. Um, she took it for herself. He then found out that Marianne had been oh, forcing Margaret. his... Her name's Mary! Mary! Mary, sorry, Mary. What the fuck, Mary? Yeah, honestly, she's, she's run up a lot of debt. She's <laughs> she's got a lot bank. of money. Um, she'd also been forcing his older children to pawn household valuables. So when he found that out, he threw her out of the house and kept custody of their son George, which is probably the best thing he ever did for that poor kid. Yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. So we're three husbands down. <laughs> we're ten children down at this point uh, lots of gastric fever and lots of death lots to process so now might be a good time for a break don what do you think i i agree i agree that's that's a lot of Dude. numbers i think we need to pause i think we do need to pause absolutely then let's take a break and we'll be back in just a few <laughs> more Welcome to the Carolinas, where serial killers, abductions, and mysterious circumstances are abundant. Join me, Tiffany, and my co-host Sam, two moms, as we cover local true crime cases that will leave you wanting more. Tune in every weekend for our new episodes where we rotate between North Carolina and South Carolina true crime cases. Find us on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, and follow us on our social media. We're on Instagram at Cola City Crime, and you can find our Facebook page by searching our name, Cola City Crime. Hello, Twisted Humans. Do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder, conspiracy, cults, or haunting? Then this is the podcast for you. We're bringing the most intense stories that'll keep you up at night. He was found guilty of voluntary manslaughter and felonious assault, but he was only sentenced to five months of probation. And this would be the last time that anyone ever saw Fiona. Uh, There are allegedly two women who also drowned in the first class pool. Was this the same glowing green that they'd seen in the darkness the night before? He had refused to sit near the wagon cloth because of stains on it, which were most likely blood. Join us every Tuesday for a glass of wine or sangria and a dose of true crime. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted, Twisted and, and Uncorked. Mary Ann Cotton, or Mary Ann Robinson, as she is up until this point in the story. What are we thinking about her? Does she seem like a stand-up woman to you who's just 
plagued with misfortune. I mean, she seems she seems a bit sus. She's on her what eleventh child at this point. Mm. She's had three husbands in the span of seven years. Every child has died of the same thing. She's got a few nice life insurance payouts. Mm-hmm. It's not looking good for old Mary. It's not looking good. No, it is. Um, but she's in a pretty desperate situation at this point in the story. So James has definitely got his suspicions. He's found out about all the debt she's run up in his name. She's found out that he's, sorry, she's in his oldest kids to go and pawn the household valuables to get a bit extra cash and he's not happy. So he's thrown her out and she is living on the street. Um, she was incredibly desperate until her friend Margaret Cotton introduced her to her brother Frederick, a pitman and recent widower living in Warbottle in Northumberland who had just lost two of his four children. Margaret had been, Margaret again, sorry, it's another Margaret, but Margaret Cotton, the sister, had been acting as a substitute mother for the remaining children, um, Frederick Jr. and Charles. But in late March 1870, she died from an undetermined stomach ailment, leaving Mary Ann to console the grieving Frederick Sr. Convenient, you might say. Just been introduced and suddenly very, a mothering position has opened convenient. up. He's a widow. Suddenly his his two kids need you know, a mother figure and... Marianne's just right there, ready to take up the mantle. Um, oh, and it. obviously, you know, that's he it. wanted a bit of extra comfort. He wanted a bit of loving and, and consoling because, you know, he'd lost his wife. He's lost his two kids. He's a very sad man. And that consoling obviously went incredibly well because pretty quickly her 12th pregnancy was underway. Tw- 12. 12. Oh, 12. Now, obviously, in this day and age, um, the sort of times that we're speaking about, you can't just get pregnant and not get married. So Cotton and Marianne were bigamously married on the 17th of September, 1870, at St. Andrews in Newcastle upon Tyne. Um, bigamously, because she was still married to James Robinson, she hadn't actually gotten divorced at that point. And of course, she hadn't killed him. So, you know, she was still technically married. But they needed yeah. to get married because she was already pregnant. And their son, Robert, was born in early 1871. Very soon after that, soon after um, Robert the son was born, Mary learned that her former lover, Joseph Natras, who we spoke about earlier, she was having an affair with, he was a married man, um, was living a mere 30 miles away in the County Durham village of West Auckland and was no longer married. She... Okay. Exciting times, right? you got to love it when your old fling... Is suddenly single. Happy That's day. It. It's time to reconnect. That's it. <laughs> she rekindled the romance and persuaded her new family to move nearer to him, um, which is pretty ballsy when you think about it. It's like you've got, I mean, an, a brand new family, kids, new husband, and you're like, you know what? Let's move. Let's move a little bit closer. Definitely nothing to do with the incredibly hot guy that I'm seeing that lives there. Yeah, that's very brash to be like. Let's move uh, for for no particular reason, of course. Let's just move. And let's see who we happen to bump into when we get there. I'm sure no one, but maybe <laughs> someone. Who knows? <clears throat> They're just walking down the street and she just bumps into him. And she's like, oh, my God. Fancy something. Look, look who it is. What are the chances? <laughs> oh, remember my that, God. <laughs> remember that time you used to put new. your penis in me, but you were married? <laughs> Do you remember that? That was fun. 
Let's do that again. Let's kickstart that again. <laughs> so she managed to convince um, <laughs> hubby Frederick Cotton to move, um, move the whole family nearer to West Auckland so that she could be closer to Joseph Natras. And in December of that very same year, the same year as the move, Frederick Cotton passed away from, you guessed it, gastric fever. Shockingly enough. And luckily, he had <laughs> a nice tidy insurance policy. And so did his son. So she got yet another yet another payout as a result of her husband's death. She must be doing pretty well for herself, money-wise, at this point. I mean, it depends on how, how much many... she's banking, I guess. Mm, no, that's true. I don't that know if she's true. blowing it straight away or if she's I, actually I was just thinking because, yeah, like, no, yeah, um, I was just like, it just sort of popped in my, into my mind now. I was like, this is, this is the upteenth insurance payout that this woman has got. So she, how much money is she, is she just like, you know, rolling around in at this point? Exactly that. So at this stage, we've obviously got another dead husband um, with two remaining sons so there was frederick jr and charles both of whom were um frederick cotton's son mary is once again single and we both know that she does not like to be that for too long so shortly after frederick's death natras joseph natras became mary ann's lodger and very quickly mary became pregnant with her 13th child 13 children Um, i mean obviously like she's not living in a house full of 13 children but like this is her 13th child can you imagine if all of her children survived you know and she she wasn't a serial killer she was just she was just pushing out just babies just constant babies can you imagine living in a house with 13 children i mean no i can't imagine living in a house with one i'm struggling with a 12 week old puppy (laughs) the the thought of the noise of a house with 13 children Oh, just shudders. disgusting. Oh. It's terrible. <laughs> Isn't it? But yeah, nonetheless, at this point, she's only got the three kids to worry about. So there's the two, Frederick Cotton, Frederick Jr. and Charles. And there's Robert, who was the son that they had together. She's moved in Joseph Natras, her former and now again lover, um, and just gotten pregnant with her 13. Obviously, she loves that prospect of having yet another child. Um, because in March 1872, Frederick Jr., so Cotton's son, died, and the infant right. Robert Jr., uh, Robert, sorry, Cotton, so the child that she had with Frederick, also passed away, all right. from okay. gastrointestinal problems, shockingly enough. So now the only child that she's got is, well, I say got, that she has to worry about because he's not technically hers, is Charles Cotton, uh, Frederick's other son from his first marriage. She, he's the only one that's there. Shortly after the death of both the sons, uh, Natras also became ill um, with gastric fever and passed away literally yep. just three weeks after revising his will in Mary Ann's favour. Oh. That's unfortunate timing. That is, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not great timing at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great for, you know, it's great for Mary. It's fucking fantastic for her. I mean, it's yeah. Is it? You know, if if she's not killing them, then this is just all incredibly unfortunate. Hundred percent. This is the worst case of bad luck I've ever heard. Or, or just the thought there might be something else at play. 
because goddamn, if you're this unlucky, you've done something bad in your previous life and karma is just fucking you up at every turn. Absolutely. So at this point, Marianne finds herself single again and needing to make money. She was approached by a parish official, Thomas Riley, who asked her to help nurse a woman who was ill with smallpox. But Marianne complained that the last surviving cotton child, Charles, um, was in the way and asked Riley if he could be committed to the workhouse. Riley said that, yes, he can, but you would have to go to the workhouse with him. You'd have to be committed with him. You would both have to be yeah. um, taken into the workhouse. It can't just be the son. Yeah. Obviously, she didn't want to do that. She she wanted to make her own money. She wanted to be free and not not in the workhouse. So she told Riley not to worry, and she said to him, direct quote, I won't be troubled long. Um, he'll go like all of the rest of the cotton, which, you know, pretty <laughs> ominous. <laughs> right. And everyone knows that. We're just talking about it like it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, that's that's what any sane person would would say, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not suspicious at all, but made all the more suspicious, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> made all the more suspicious <laughs> by the fact that five days later, um, Marianne told Riley that Charles had died. He'd gotten poorly and passed away. Riley obviously was not having anything. So he went to the village police and the doctor to delay writing a death certificate until the circumstances could be investigated. He was not going to be fooled. He was like, come off it. Five days ago, you wanted him in the workhouse. And as yeah. soon as I told you, you couldn't, suddenly he's dead. Um, so he was yeah. finally, finally, someone was standing up to Marianne and saying, come on, love, pull the other one. Nah, Mary, not today, love. Not today. The time has come. Marianne's first visit after <laughs> Charles' death was not to the doctor, but instead to the insurance office. There she discovered that no money would be paid out until Naturally. a death certificate was issued for Charles. An inquest was held and the jury returned a verdict of natural causes. Um, but Marianne claimed to have used arrowroot to relieve his illness and had said that Riley, the parish um, warden, only made accusations against her because he had re she had rejected his advances. So she was like, listen, he came on to me. I said no. So now he's saying I killed my son. What? Yeah. All right, Mary. Bloody hell. Right. Thinking, thinking, you're thinking a lot of yourself. Not everyone wants a piece. On, on that one. People can say no to you, Mary. Jesus. Yeah. Not everyone wants to get married to you and then die. <laughs> <laughs> so even though the um the doctor had been had said that he died of natural causes, there was still a lot of suspicion and the local newspapers latched on to the story, particularly when they discovered that Mary Ann moved around northern England and had lost three husbands, a lover, a friend, her mother. And 11 children, all of whom, that entire list, died of stomach fever or stomach-related problems. So I can't even do that maths, but I'm pretty sure it's over 17 people. Was it 11 children, three lovers, 14? It's 17 people. Yeah, probably, yeah. Dom, you're going to have to trust me. Yeah, It's 17. 17. <laughs> I said I couldn't do the maths. I was just trying to make you feel better about you not being able to do the maths. I can do the maths. 17. Cool. Uh you do realise that I edit the show. Fine, you can cut that bit out. <laughs> but the fact is, you can't do maths. 
It's fine. You cut out whatever you like. I'll be straight in the comments telling the people the truth. Oh dear. When you when when you uh when you edit the show, then you can you can make me look a fool, but I am the editor. I have the power. No, when I start editing the show, I'm just gonna edit you out. It's just gonna be you having a conversation with yourself. With myself, yeah. Exactly that. You should everyone like, wants to listen to you that. Should, me you should talking do that, to my inner demons. Give, you should like not give any context that that would happen and just put out an episode and just cut me out of it but don't delete any of the like audio of where i would be so literally you would say something that would be like like a two minute just silence and then you'd be like oh yes and this and then it's, people would just be like what why is there like massive pauses what's yeah, going the on hell is she talking to <laughs> dom Obviously, oh, that would be funny. You edit. <laughs> obviously, you can do maths, and obviously, I can't do this without you. So, please stay. All right. Back to Mary, bless her. So, it's 17 <laughs> people all dying of stomach fevers. Obviously, the newspapers were going to pick up on it. And rumors obviously gave rise to suspicion and scientific investigation. Um, Dr. William Kilburn, who had attended Charles, um, the last remaining cotton, had kept samples and tested showed that they all contained arsenic. Um, he told the police who arrested Marianne and procured uh, the exhumation, that's hard to say, of Charles's body. Um, she was charged with murder and although the trial was delayed um, after, until after the delivery of her child, sorry, start there again, um, the trial was delayed <laughs> until after the birth of her 13th child, so child number 13. Um who she gave birth to on the 7th of January, 1873, and quickly named Margaret Edith. What is the deal with the Margarets? Why are there so I was, many Margarets? I was genuinely about to say, I was genuinely about to say, if this woman calls this child Margaret, I swear to fucking God. <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. I'm pretty sure out of the 13 children she had, like four of them were Margaret. I don't even know, but there's a lot of Margaret. But anyway, this was number 13. She's um, she's there. She's had the baby and it bought her a couple more months so that she could have the child before she went to trial. Um, her trial began on the 5th of March, 1873. And after all of the evidence had been heard, the jury retired for just 90 minutes before returning a guilty verdict. 90 minutes, that's all it did. And to be honest, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. You can't deny the fact that the kid Jesus. had been pumped for arsenic. So, you know, difficult to avoid that. Yeah. Um, Mary yeah. Ann Cotton was hanged at Durham County Jail on the 24th of March, 1873. Um, she died not from her neck breaking, as was usual with hangings, but by strangulation caused by the rope being rigged too short. Um, and it is believed that that happened deliberately. Um, just because everyone believed that she had killed all 17 of those people uh, in the same way with the arsenic poison. Yeah. <laughs> of Marianne's 13 children, only two survived her. Um, so Margaret Edith, the child they waited and, um, for her to give birth to um, for the trial, and her son George, who was the one that James kept custody of when he threw her out. So those were the only two out of 13 that survived her um, and the rest we can't say that she poisoned them all because there's no sort of proof she did 
But it is incredibly widely believed that she killed Bob, as well as her her other two husbands. Yeah. That's Mary Ann Cotton. Pretty nasty piece of work. Yeah, not not a a woman that covered herself in much glory. I think would be fair to say. No, not at all. And when you look at each of the individual cases of killings, if you like, it was either because she needed the money or because she wanted to claim the life insurance. But for some of them, it was potentially just because she needed somewhere to live or she needed somewhere to, some way into someone's life. Like, for example, if she killed Margaret Cotton, and it's it's a big if, but if she killed Margaret Cotton, the only reason Margaret Cotton died was because she had been looking after Frederick Cotton's children and Mary wanted that job. She knew that she couldn't move in with him yeah. and, and live that life without getting rid of Margaret. So that's the only reason that she died. Charles Cotton only died because he was in the way. He, She wanted to go and you know nurse this woman so that she could make money for herself and probably potentially get married to someone else and continue this sort of spree because why mm. wouldn't she? Um, and she couldn't do that because she couldn't put Charles in the workhouse. So he had to die. Charles was uh, wrong place, wrong time. It sounds like. Absolutely. She's not a particularly nice woman. She was described by the police during the trial as cold. You know, she she didn't react to anything that was being said about her during the trial. She yeah. she didn't really react to yeah. the deaths particularly. She was just just there. She was very very numb and, and really had too much of a, a reaction, yeah. which is probably indicative of something as well. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And it it doesn't surprise me um that she she didn't really have any it didn't affect her or she didn't have any reaction you know i mean if if you can kill that many children it shows that there is absolutely no sense of emotion or remorse or warmth um at all she does sound like a very cold callous uh woman who if she was for whatever reason, if she was acquitted and she was allowed back out and, you know, into the world again, she would probably just go back to what she was doing and many, many more people would probably have died. Absolutely. And, I mean, I, I should probably say that although there wasn't evidence necessarily that she had killed all of those other women, it is highly, highly believed that she did. You know, the circumstances surrounding their deaths were always exactly the same as Charles Cotton um and she benefited too much from all the deaths in some sort of way, whether it be financial mm. or circumstantial. You know, she always benefited, so it is very widely believed yeah. that she she did kill or... those people to the extent that you know it's um, books have been written about it and dramas have been created. I know we spoke about it a bit when we took a break um, about Dark Angel, which is ITV from about this you know case, and that very much you know, goes in on the fact that she definitely, you know, it shows her poisoning all of these different people yeah. um, because that was what pretty much everyone at the time and certainly now still sort of leans towards. And I think there's there's coincidences, you know, if one or maybe two, you know, you could look at that and go, okay, that's maybe coincidental. Um, but it gets to a point where when there's a pattern that emerges, you sort of go, you sort of have to go, okay, once maybe I could say that was a coincidence, at a push to 
But once you get into number 10, number 11, like, okay, that's one too many coincidences to to really sort of brush that off, I think. It's just a bit too much of a pattern. But yeah, she was definitely not a, um, a very nice, very nice woman. But that's the story of Mary and no. um, my my second episode. And I promise next time I'm not going to do another female serial killer because that's not going to be like my thing. <laughs> As I say, two is a coincidence, three is a pattern. I'm not going to make it a pattern. Next time I take the lead <laughs> on the episode, it will not be a female serial killer, I promise. This is really, a really fun, <laughs> I was about to say really fun uh i don't know if that was that'd be the right word to describe it um this was really fun uh no this was this was really interesting because i'd never heard of of this case and we don't really cover old cases you know you know lynn's at ye old crime does an amazing job at you know doing a lot of cases um you know from sort of pre-1900s um so yeah it's good that you know, we were able to sort of do a case that's 1800s time. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. I hope so. I think it's an interesting one. I'm always fascinated how women can kill their children um, and just, as you say, you know, be completely mm. devoid of motherly instinct. And I think this is yeah. just the extreme of that. So, yeah, it was definitely one that I wanted to I wanted to cover. When, once Dad reminded me of it, thanks, Dad, again. Um, I definitely wanted to cover it. <laughs> parents getting shout outs two weeks in a row. Oh yeah. You gotta love the parents. You gotta thank the parents. Dom, I'm gonna hand over to you to see us out because you always do that to me on your episodes. So take it away. Why thank you, my dear. Um so yes, thank you for joining us for this episode um of a much older case than we have done prior or previous uh but it was a lot of fun and if you enjoyed this episode and you enjoy what we do here at horror house please like the show on you know whatever podcast app you listen to um share rate review give us a follow as well on instagram at horror house underscore pod we may resurrect the twitter uh, maybe <laughs> but uh yeah instagram is is where we're sort of most active so pop us a follow on there and also you know if if you want some perks and you want to support us from a financial standpoint by all means head on over to the patreon and have a look at it and if you're so inclined please join or you know as amy said we've also got the buy me a coffee if you don't want to you know commit to a monthly subscription you can just throw us you know two or three coffees and support us that way but yes that is everything from from us today we hope you enjoyed the episode um and from me stay spooky amy would you like to finish us off sure i'll finish us off thanks for listening everyone stay spooky i realize that may have been <laughs>